Hello, I'm Mike Ward, and welcome to this edition of Conversations in Healthcare, which has been recorded in collaboration with One Nucleus's On Helix Conference, which is focusing on new medicines in a brave new world. In the Conversations in Healthcare series, which is brought to you by Clarivate, a global leader in providing solutions to accelerate the life cycle of, of, of innovation, we talk to the people who live and breathe the process of turning ideas into innovation across the whole of the healthcare ecosystem. As I mentioned, the focus of this year's On Helix is the creation of new medicines in a post-pandemic world. In the past 18 months, the life sciences sector has demonstrated how it can mobilize its resources to tackle the greatest healthcare challenges in recent history. A key component of that effort has been the translation of brilliant ideas into clinically meaningful solutions. A key catalyst in that translational process is the venture capital community that not only provides financial resources, but also networks and management support to advance the development of new medicines and treatments. So joining me today is uh, Naveed Siddiqui, a senior partner with Nova Ventures, one of the most active venture capital groups in the life sciences sector. Naveed has more than two decades of experience in venture capital financing and life science companies, uh, especially those based in Europe. Indeed, before joining Novo, uh, which he did in September uh, 2019, Naveed uh, worked at Andera Partners, Phase 4 Ventures, and its predecessor, Namura Phase 4 Ventures. So consequently, he is well-placed to discuss the current climate for life science uh, development. So, uh, Naveed, thanks for, for joining me today. Uh, Mike, uh, uh, pleasure. I, uh, thank you for having me. Right. So as a starting point, I think, for, for our discussion, I think it might actually be useful for you to actually explain to the audience how Novo Ventures sort of fits into, you know, I guess the Novo Nordisk Foundation ecosystem and therefore how that differentiates differentiate you from um, you know, other venture capital organizations uh, you know, when supporting life science uh, companies. No, I'd be happy to do that. So No Ventures is a early to late stage venture uh, investor, and we are part of Nova Holdings. Nova Holdings is the holding company of Nova Nordisk, uh, the pharmaceutical company, which is, you know, uh, you know, semaglutide and insulin, you know, big, big, big pharma company. Uh, but we at the holding company level um, have about 75 billion uh, of AUM under asset management, of which 13 billion is dedicated to sort of specific direct life science investments. Um, and we are all, ourselves owned by the Novo Nordics Foundation, which is one of the uh, top uh, life science foundations uh, globally. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, bigger than Gates and, uh, and bigger than the Wellcome Trust. So, they, um, so our mandate at Novo Holdings uh, is to basically generate profit, for-profit activity, uh, generate uh, returns, which then can be invested in the not-for-profit uh, by Nova Nordisk Foundation towards uh, you know, very significant uh, life science grant giving activities that they run between half a billion and a billion dollars uh, of grant giving every, every year they do, as well as impact and social impact uh, investing that they do. So 
Um, so within Nova Ventures, uh, we have uh, we have, we have uh, one of the oldest teams within Nova Holdings who's been investing in life sciences. Uh, we started about 20 years ago, um, and these days we're investing between four to 500 million annually uh, in, uh, in, in, in life sciences. So it makes us one of the top uh, most impactful investors in life sciences, and we're investing uh, principally in the Europe uh, and the US, and, uh, and, and, and we've now just started a, an activity in Asia as well. So um, in terms of uh, the scope of the uh, investments, uh, we, we do both private investing and public investing. So it makes it a little bit unusual compared to normal venture capital groups because we have both activities uh, within our team. Uh, and uh, there are different partners who focus on different aspects there, but uh, we have four offices, uh, one in Copenhagen, one in London, one in Boston, and uh, one in San Francisco. So, so we're pretty much covering, I would say, uh, you know, some uh, very significant life science uh, hotspots uh, by having local offices there. Uh, and we are a team of 26 with 20 investment professionals, all MDs, PhDs, um, uh, in, in, in that scope. So in terms of to give you a sort of idea of the scope of the activity that we're doing with this, uh, last year we invested 570 million of which uh, we did 39 public company investments and 33 venture financings. Uh, we have uh, an evergreen structure and uh, it's also safe to say that we are a very significant player in the companies that are going public on NASDAQ. Um, so last year, we had uh, nine companies that went public on NASDAQ from our private portfolio. We invested in six IPOs. Um, and this year, uh, we already have had um, uh, five companies already go public on NASDAQ. And we've got a couple more coming uh, down the pipe just this quarter. So, um, so this is uh, kind of gives you a little bit of a, the, the overview of, of ventures and how it sort of sits uh, in the ecosystem. I mean, and what's interesting is, I mean, you know, quite a lot of pharmaceutical companies have their own sort of you know, corporate venture capital activities. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like your Nova Ventures, again, is not a sort of, it's not a traditional corporate venture uh, outfit. So again, so how would you sort of differentiate yourself, say, for example, from, you know, M Ventures, which is the sort of yeah. the, the Merck uh, arm? Absolutely, no, happy to do that. So yes, we, we are not a traditional corporate venture group, so we're not strategic to Nova Nordisk's activities. Um, we are actually like a, just a normal investment firm. Uh, our mandate is to generate returns in life sciences uh, for no, uh, Nova Nordisk Foundation. Uh, so, so we are kind of area agnostic. We're, we're not tied to the strategic objectives of what Nova Nordisk uh, is doing, and we are uh, our, our, we are you know our, a profit motive investor. Yeah. Right, right. I'm, I mentioned in in my introduction that you know the life sense sector, you know certainly in the in the past you know, eighteen months has you know, effectively come into its own. Yeah. You know, sort of, um, you know, the way it mobilizes its resources to to tackle the pandemic. I, I'd be interested to understand. How has the pandemic um, you know, impacted both, I guess, the cadence of your investment activities and also maybe the, the focus on, on which assets you now look to support? No, thanks. I'm happy to do that, Mike. So when it first, uh, when this first arose sort of back, we go cast our minds back to last, uh, you know, late February, early March, um, as the things were evolving and were really hitting us. I think everybody was a bit startled at the speed of uh, the impact. And I guess every, we saw that um, uh, for a little while, there was a bit of a temporary pause uh, in activity or slight reduction. 
Um, because of the type of investor we are, Evergreen, um, uh, we act and do both private and public investing. We uh, took a very early decision that this was actually an opportunity uh, for us to, uh, you know, not slow down and, and continue to invest through this cycle uh, and, uh, and, and be more active than ever. And so actually we ended up um, in exceeding what we normally do is kind of four to 500 million with 570 million that we put away last year. Um, so I think in, in terms of, um, uh, you know, the rest of the market, it kind of caught up and, and the whole life science sector itself had a record year uh, in terms of investors investing in the space. So um, I would say that, um, you know, uh, while the pandemic obviously had a very significant impact on all our lives and on society and economies in general, um, it really did shine a light on the importance of the sector to, uh, you know, bringing solutions uh, to the table at early stage research, which resulted in uh, companies like Moderna kind of coming to the fore with uh, vaccine solutions. Um, uh, so, so I think, uh, you know, for us, it was uh, uh, really reaffirming uh, the reason why we're here, which is to bring, you know, innovation uh, to the forefront so that it impacts society uh, in general. And there was ne never a better example of that than last year uh, when, uh, you know, the need for innovation and, and, and why we're doing it was, 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 was exemplified in our daily lives. So, so we didn't really slow down. Um, I think the um, uh, areas of, uh, of, uh, sort of uh, you know, change in focus uh, of where we were investing, well, we did think about it and uh, we, we had a sort of uh, uh, a view that uh, there were certain areas that were going to um, uh, result in, a, you know, more, more activity. Um, so, uh, for example, we invested in a company called Ergo uh, in the U.S., which went public uh, subsequently. Uh, this was a, um, you know, um, basically it was a remote uh, hearing aid uh, company where you could kind of get a hearing aid uh, in your home uh, through, uh, you know, without having any interface with, uh, you know, going to a, a shop or, 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 or a specialist uh, to see them. Uh, so, so you could do it all virtually. So, so that was a, a classic example where the, their business really boomed uh, because uh, of, of that type of activity. The other area that uh, you know we were, we were investors in MD Live, which is a telehealth uh, company, second largest. Um, they really uh, you know uh, came into their own uh, last year with with, with that uh, scope of activity. As uh, you know, you couldn't go and see your doctor in the clinic. Uh, so telehealth uh, really came back and uh, they really grew. And, and in fact, it resulted in an acquisition. Uh, we, were, we were able to sell the company this year to Cigna um, uh, 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 for a very profitable sale. Um, it did put a spotlight on antivirals and antifungals as well, because again, this is an area that um, more recently after, you know, people have thought, okay, well, HCV seems to be in a good place. Uh, HIV, you know, we seem to have uh, found solutions. Uh, and people had sort of spotlight had gone away a little bit from, from this area. But uh, antivirals came back again uh, for us. And, uh, you know, we've been kind of looking there, antifungals. We, we are investors in a company called F2G, uh, which, uh, you know, deals with rare molds, which uh, first the severe uh, fungal infections that can occur uh, in the ITU setting. And uh, patients are very vulnerable. They cause high levels of mortality. So, so it did put a, a, a focus back on certain areas. Uh, but we ex we continue to invest quite much, uh, across the board in oncology, autoimmune diseases, um, you know, GI across across the board. Yeah. Right. I mean, just as a, um, a sort of a follow on. Yeah. A lot of that activity was that already in train before the pandemic. I mean, uh, I I could imagine that 
during the pandemic, it might be difficult to you know, establish your new relationships. So you know, how, how has that worked out? Have you actually been able to do some things absolutely new during the, the last 18 months? Yes. So, um, I, I, of course, it's a consideration. If you've never met a management team in person uh, and uh, you just have a virtual roadshow and, uh, and, and a virtual diligence exercise, it's not the same uh, as, as, as an in-person meeting. But we adapted very, very quickly. And in fact, we didn't make that a barrier uh, and it didn't really stop us investing. But it is fair to say that those relationships where we had no, known uh, companies before uh, and had seen them before, um, I think they were placed at a better, they were placed at a little bit of an advantage because we had met them, we had a, had a bit of a history there. But, but by, no, by no means did it stop us still looking at those situations where we never met the team and we did make investments like that. And we hired people in our team like that as well, who uh, we, you know, now we're getting to meet them in person. They're not just virtual pixels on a, on a screen. Um, so, so yes, I, I think, um, uh, you know, we adapted, uh, but uh, there was a certain advantage if there had been a, a prior relationship. Sure. And uh, you, uh, you already mentioned the fact that your your investment approach is, is fairly sort of agnostic to, to, yep. to the area. But are there any sort of you know, sweet spots for, for, for Nova Ventures? And actually, probably even more importantly, are there any sort of areas that either have been recently deprioritized or actually you're just not that interested in? Yes, so we are a kind of therapeutically uh, agnostic. Uh, I would say the most of the investments that we do are um, either sort of early stage, late stage, uh, pre-commercial um, therapeutic uh, stories, so the R&D stage, uh, or commercial stage med tech companies, uh, in the, and particularly with the US uh, commercialization focus is, is where we tend to sort of narrow our scope. So um, we don't tend to invest in med tech that is um, pre-commercial uh, and which is uh, outside the US. So that is uh, definitely one area of limitation for us. Um, but on the therapeutic side, it's very broad. Uh, really, we don't sort of put limits uh, on areas where uh, where we're not investing. So we, we are, uh, you know, very heavily represented like a lot of investors in oncology, uh, almost uh, approaching 30% of our portfolio is on, in oncology. Um, uh, you know, autoimmune inflammation, um, uh, CNS uh, are all well represented uh, in, in, our, in our companies. And a significant feature of, of when I look at the portfolio is that uh, we have uh, almost half of our portfolio in, in rare and orphan diseases. So uh, that's also something that is uh, significant. Um, we have about 70 companies uh, right now in our portfolio. So, uh, so it's a large portfolio and, and, and uh, with a kind of a very broad representation. So I, I think it might be useful um, to sort of, you know, understand sort of, you know, what the, I guess the whole sort of investment process uh, looks like. So, I mean, yeah. Are there sort of you know some examples you know say some recent investments that, that yeah. you've made where you could you know highlight you know what it was that caught your attention in the first place and you know how you know what then needed to happen so that it became you know an, an investable you know opportunity you know how yeah you know, how did you get it to 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 the term sheets yes okay sure so. 
Um, in, in Europe, uh, last year, we made an investment in a company called Lava Therapeutics, a Dutch company. Um, it's a, a, a gamma delta T cell engager platform, uh, a bispecific approach. So um, I think uh, what was interesting about that opportunity for us was that um, it really, while we had the benefit of engaging with gamma delta T cells, we didn't have all the cell therapy uh, manufacturing issues and, and, and supply issues that you normally de deal with and which are very expensive. It was like a normal uh, T-cell engager, you know, uh, approach, like a normal IV drug so that you could kind of give uh, at the patient. So that was an appealing way to think about how to bring the best of the, both worlds of sort of the cell therapy aspects of gamma delta T-cells and how effective killers they are uh, with, uh, you know, a more targeted approach using a bi-specific bi uh, platform. So, this is the company we've been following uh, for a while and uh, sort of uh, seeing how they were developing. Uh, and for us, it was a, a question of um, sort of seeing data that uh, in, in primates where we saw that the platform was working uh, and, uh, and being close to the clinic, uh, which uh, then became, uh, you know, another uh, reason for us to get uh, involved. Um, so, so that is, um, uh, you know, we made the investment. The company has since, uh, 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 you know, progressed. It's, uh, you know, about to start dosing its patients. Uh, it has had uh, a successful IPO in the first quarter. It's listed on NASDAQ, raised further uh, amounts of capital uh, there, and it's a round that we led last year. So that's an example of uh, something in oncology we've done. Um, uh, another company I might mention is it's quite different. It's uh, a company called Vective Bio. It's a Swiss company. Um, this is a, uh, uh, a, a GLP-2 agonist that uh, we um, uh, were excited because it was a potential best-in-class GLP-2 agonist. There is already a, a, pro a, a product called Gatex on the market uh, from uh, Takeda Shire, which sells over half a billion uh, dollars. Um, but at the moment, it's used by very, very few patients. It's an expensive product, but it's not really widely used because of certain limitations of that product. So here we had an opportunity for a sort of a best-in-class, second-generation, once-a-week uh, product with a better label uh, to come through. And uh, this is one where, uh, you know, we supported the phase two to phase three transition uh, of that company. Uh, and, and, and now they're in the uh, phase three now. Uh, and we funded, helped, um, you know, um, uh, fund that company from a crossover round and then uh, ultimately into the IPO uh, as well. We supported them heavily. So... Yeah, so, uh, you sort of you mentioned how you know, for example, with this sort of the uh, the Dutch um, uh, uh, investment, you, you know, you have been sort of you know looking to see how they progress. I I just wonder, you know, how often yes. uh, is your response to a pitch, you know, not just yet rather yeah. than no, and you know, other sort of you know, examples where the pitch, that pitch has actually evolved from not just yet to actually a yes. Yes, no, absolutely. So it's a difficult question to answer. I don't think I've got facts and figures readily at my tips, but I would say that um, uh, we already get a pretty targeted deal flow. Uh, people kind of understand what we are looking for. So we tend to get many of these companies coming to us already, you know, so not straight no's because they're out of scope. That's very un unusual. Um, so we take a close look. I would say that um, uh, of the ones that we kind of get interested and in, do some work on, um, they may be uh, shortfalls in data 
or the validation of the biology or the chemistry still needs to be further optimized um, or you know they have to have developed their uh, development strategy further so let's say uh, biomarker strategy has to be further sort of honed down the natural history in a rare disease needs to kind of data needs to come through as to what that might be or a conversation with the regulator for a novel endpoint so those are things that um, we will obviously uh, decide and sort of think about whether we want to take that risk or not in that particular case. But we may like many elements of the story where we think, you know, uh, we think, yes, if it's got, if it's got deferred a little bit further de-risked, uh, we can come kind of come in. Or sometimes we, we're, we're sufficiently excited and we're willing to take that risk and we jump in earlier. So, so yes, it, it isn't, uh, it is quite common for us to say, uh, no, uh, not yet, but uh, these are the things we're looking for. Uh, so if you can come back to us uh, with that, then we'll be interested. And sometimes it's possible because, um, you know, there's an opportunity because companies are always raising money and uh, you can come back and look at it later. And because of our structure, the way it is, um, uh, a company can approach us at any point in its development, really, uh, from, uh, you know, a small, you know, from, a, from a, a, you know, lead optimization all the way to phase three. Uh, with, a, with a product. And there are indeed companies uh, that we have invested uh, and, uh, you know, uh, as a private company gone public, the companies went public, we exited our position, and then we went back in when they had more data uh, for their sort of heading it towards approval. So, so I think that's uh, um, definitely, uh, we try to be uh, transparent with the companies about uh, where we stand. Right. So, when you're sort of you know, looking at sort of you know the opportunities and you've seen things coming across your desk, yeah. what what are the sort of the most interesting sort of your know, developments in life sciences research that that you that that excite you? I mean, they might not be in you know ready for investment yet, but they are the things that you're keeping a very very close eye on. Yes. No, of course, we're following a lot of the trends as they emerge uh, and develop uh, and as areas become de-risked. I mean, a recent example is I've been kind of looking at the synthetic lethality space. Of course, you know, the, um, uh, the approval of the PARP inhibitors has opened up the possibility of, uh, you know, novel targets, uh, novel mechanisms, uh, the next generation. Now, I kind of see it like the uh, IO space was where uh, suddenly, you know, after the PD-1s were approved, uh, there was like a huge spate of activity to see uh, what else could be, what, could we identify other synthetic lethal uh, targets uh, and, and lethality targets and, 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 and kind of bring in uh, those forward next generations. So that's an example where, um, you know, an area opens up and then we sort of are now looking at what's coming next down the pike uh, to, uh, to see. So that example, but it could be a totally new space where there isn't much approved, uh, you know, the protein degradation space, for example, um, you know, tough area, uh, but we're looking at approaches there and seeing uh, what, what could be available. Um, the bispecifics are having a bit of a renaissance or, uh, you know, or, or interest. Uh, the ADCs are back in, back in after their first wave. Um, so it, it's not necessarily that uh, it's just, um, uh, you know, things that are going to be further coming down the horizon, but it become be, be looking back into an area uh, which went out of fashion, but now got more de-risked as uh, further development occurred. Um, so, so those are all uh, important areas. Um, you know, um, we're kind of looking at the up and coming RNA therapeutic space. 
uh, as a new modality as well. Um, and next generation viral vectors is a big need uh, to improve the viral vectors that we have uh, out there uh, to really expand that pro uh, uh, platform. We're looking at a, a way to, ways to make cell therapy easier, but right now there's a big question about, you know, uh, this this whole uh, field uh, we have to really improve so allergenic uh, or uh, improvements in manufacturing uh, point, you know point point of care distribution of of of, of manufacturing uh, those are sort of all the things that as we look at the next ten years and see uh, what are the important um, you know new advances we need uh, where you know we should be looking to invest in some of those and uh, and, and deciding at what level of de-risking we want before we kind of go in. But we, yes, the, the, this is a very active area for us. So, so uh, as always, Naveed, it's uh, yeah. it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I'd like to thank you for for, for taking the time to yeah you know, provide us the sort of you know those, those insights in you know how uh, yeah. it, it operates at, at, at Nova Ventures. Um, and you know, also, actually, how, how you're helping you know, innovators sort of, you know, translate, I guess, their bright ideas in, into you know, medicines and treatments that are ultimately going to you know, uh, you know, help patients. I'd also like to thank the audience for, for, for tuning in to, to this episode of uh, Conversations in, in, in Healthcare and remind you to actually you know, follow and listen to, to, to other episodes for you know, engaging, informative and and definitely inspirational uh, content that actually can also provide you with insights uh, to, 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 to use. So, uh, you know, it's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast directories. So, um, you know, make sure that you, you, you keep up to date with that. So, until next time, I'm Mike Ward, uh, and I'll see you around.